0: For a purpose, the first week, we talked about the idea that we 're created to commune, to be in community, to gather. When Adam was born, he said uh, god said it 's not good that he be alone, so he created Eve, uh, and uh, the second week we talked about was something Bob touched on about we were created to be stewards, to, created for stewardship. We were created to tend the land. Now, sin broke that, and that tending became toiling. But we were created to, to, t- to take care of uh, what God has created. And then we talked about the idea that we are created with the end in mind, that God has a vision for you of what you would look like if you were living your life out the way he has designed you and planned you and according to his will. And so we talked about that. We used the word our, our telos. We were designed with a telos. In mind. Uh, What I want to talk about this morning is I want to answer this question Uh, Can you change the world? How can you change the world? And you think about your own situation, where you're at. How? How do you change the world? I mean, uh, we, we kind of, you know, you might see a commercial on television and you might see some young attractive person saying, you know, we're all world changers or wh- whatever, and, and we kind of buy into that. But then when you think about the world, it's a big place. <laughs> and there's, you open up the news for just a little bit and you realize, man, there's a lot of changing that needs to happen. How, how do you change the world? L- let, me ask, let me ask you a personal question. How do you change your world? How do you change your world? I want to talk a little bit about that uh, this morning because I think Jesus gives us a a plan, if you will. I think Jesus gives us uh, some keys to how this might take effect. And, uh, uh, And I'm hoping that by the end of the time this morning, we have something we can take away with this week to go into our jobs, to go in, be around our friends, to go into our neighborhoods where we can change our world. Uh, in the past, and I'd say over the last five decades or so, um, Christians have had two jobs to do, and um, I don't know if you ever, if I'm like dating myself, but when I was growing up and being a Christian, um, there was this guy named Jerry Falwell, and he, uh, I think he was the one that started with the moral minority or majority or The minority report, or something—I don't know—I forget what it was, but but here here's where kind of the two two important things that it was the Christians' job was to point out sin, okay, identify it and point it out, and and make sure you got that covered, and then have points that win, okay. So so for for some decades, uh, there was this kind of movement that there was you, you would point out sin, and then you would have these arguments that you you could win. These arguments. Now, let me just point out real quick that not, not all of this is bad, okay? So if you're, if you're a part of that movement and, and you were involved in that, uh, that's, that's great. And there's, there's elements to that even today. But Jesus gave us a really good word picture of how to change our world. And so rather than go for or against, or against something, let's look at what Jesus said Okay, and see if we modeled ourselves after Jesus and what he had to say. What would our world look like, especially the world that we can uh, that we have influence on? Okay, I want to set this up a little bit. Uh, what What happened was, so there was a bunch of people on the on this kind of mountainous area, and they were all coming to hear Jesus speak. He was healing people and doing all sorts of stuff, and so they were all seated here, a lot of them, and off in the distance, there was this. A uh, horse, this stallion, a mighty stallion, and it was just flying across the plain. And on top of that stallion was this warrior with this sword in his hand. And it was like big sword. And he didn't have a shirt on, okay? Um, and he's super ripped. I mean, just like, you know, awesome abs, his huge arms. You could tell he'd been in battle and he, he was riding. And, and, and they realized it's Jesus. Right? Because they're looking. Because he's their Messiah. So he's flying. And he starts coming in. And his blue eyes are shining in the sun. And uh, his blonde hair, he has back in a ponytail. So it doesn't like, get, get in his eyes. And he's got this, this sword. And, 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 he, and he gets right up to the people. And, and the horse, you know... <laughs> He like rears back, you know, and, he, and he's like this, and he, he, he like gets down, and he, and he yells this out to the people, to just, it's his rallying, the kingdom's coming, right? Jesus is ushering in the kingdom, and he yells this out at the top of his lungs, blessed are the poor in spirit, because he was Scottish, like Braveheart, right? That was a terrible Scottish accent, but He says, hey, ushers, seize that man. Uh, He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) And in that, the beginning of this kind of battle cry, everyone would look. Now, okay, just so we're clear, Jesus Didn't go around shirtless. He wasn't uh, Scottish. He was Norwegian. Um, No, Uh, he didn't have blue eyes and a sword and all that kind of stuff. It it took place a, a little different than that. But he was ushering in the kingdom and it looked nothing like you'd expect. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom that I'm ushering in will not be won, will not even be fought in the way you would expect it to be fought. It's not about winning arguments. It's not about pointing things out. It's that you come to the kingdom poor in spirit saying my soul is bankrupt and I need it to be filled by my heavenly father. And so he goes to the people and he says that and it's, a, it's, it's, it's kind of a wake up call. And they begin thinking to themselves, man, is this like the Messiah, like poor in spirit? And he's like, hold hold on, I'll I'll continue to kind of flesh this out a little bit. Blessed are those who mourn. Can I get them? Yeah, you know, yay. (laughs) For they will be comforted. Like, like the problem won't even be solved. Like there will be a reason to mourn and you'll just be comforted, not given what you wanted. But there will be a reason to mourn, and blessed are those that in their mourning, they turn to their Heavenly Father and say, I can't, this is just devastating for me, I can't go on, and that's where God meets them. He goes on and he says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. One time I saw a bumper sticker that said, the reason the meek will inherit the earth is because they're not going to get it any other way. (laughs) I just thought that was funny. Anyway, I, I didn't say that first sermon. Okay. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. He goes on, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And I can just imagine the people hearing this going, man, this is the Messiah guy? Like, like Matthew, are you writing this down? Because I, I don't know if like this is the guy we should be following. He continues. He says, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Now, think about the language that's happening. If you have to be merciful, there's a really good chance you were wounded. If you have to be merciful, there's a really good chance you were wronged, okay? If you have to be poor in spirit, there's a really good chance that you don't really have all this other stuff going for you. That you have to come and just say, man, God, I just, I need you. I need uh, a Savior. You're kind of in a chaotic, the the, the Beatitudes happen in chaos. The Beatitudes happen in difficulty. That's why uh, it'll say this, blessed are the pure in heart for they they will see God. Can you believe that? Like, you could see God somehow, Jesus is saying. I, I, I always, as I go through my studies, I'll, I'll ask myself the question, do I want to see God? I'm like, yes. I, uh, <laughs> Like, well, it depends, <laughs> you know. What, what's he got for me? You know, it's like, like, do I see him in all his glory, and then I, like, die? No, I don't know about that. It's like, Jesus is saying, listen. As, as, as the pureness, what does it mean to be pure in heart? It means you probably don't want to be pure in heart. There's probably something else tugging at you. You feel the tension and the chaos of the Beatitudes? It's not that we go, we're pure in heart because we just walk, and you know, we walk on, on a cloud and we're pure in heart. No, it's probably because we really want to be impure in heart. And Jesus says, if you would manage that tension and just go against it and go, go the other way, and, and, and you'll see God. He goes on with this. Blessed are the peacemakers. Well, what, why would you need a peacemaker unless you are having some conflict? And so, you feel that tension of, of man, I have to be a, if I have to be a peacemaker, okay, that means I'm going to be in situations where there's lots of conflict. That's... The kingdom of God. That's it. And so as we kind of go into our surroundings, into our environment, into our world, into our jobs, into our school, into our neighborhoods, as we begin to rub shoulders with people, we're going to be wounded. We're going to uh, need to be a peacemaker. We're going to need to show mercy. We're going to need to do all these things. We're going to want to go one way, but but we want to be pure in heart, so we're going to choose to go the other way. There is chaos in the midst of the Beatitudes. He goes on, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are the persecuted. (laughs) It's like... By this time, if you're listening to Jesus, you're probably like, "Um, you know what, (laughs) that other guy, you know, Josiah, he might be a better Messiah to follow. But blessed are the persecuted for because of right, who are persecuted because of righteousness. You're not even persecuted because you did something wrong. You're persecuted because you did something right. Jesus says, "Oh man, aren't you stoked? So blessed, you know? Isn't this great?" You know, you're at work and maybe you stand up for something that's right or there's some type of justice issue in the world and you don't like the way it's going and so you stand up for what is right. Maybe it's human trafficking, maybe it's whatever and and, and you're just kind of like, man, there's an injustice and you stand and you get persecuted and and you're just like, that felt fantastic. (laughs) He says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Like you will begin to begin to experience this kingdom differently than if you just had comfort. you go, "It keeps going on. Blessed are you when people insult you, and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me." And so as you, as you begin to step out into this pure of heart and peacemaker and, 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 and being merciful and meek, and, and, and you, you understand kind of what's going on. He, you'd think that there'd be something. But then you become, be, you're called different things. Maybe intolerant or whatever. But the people misunderstand where you're coming from. Jesus says, that's great. Blessed, you're blessed. It's good. Because you're going to experience the kingdom of God in the chaos of the Beatitudes. He goes and he says, Rejoice. And be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. And then if you're a good student of the Bible, you'd go, wait a minute, in heaven? What about right here? Like, how about a raise, Jesus? You know, something. I mean, can I get can I get some type of reward here? And, and so you read that, and you're like, in heaven, I don't want to wait for heaven. But as you read more of the kingdom language, you get this idea, and we, we say it all the time here, is that eternity starts now, and that maybe... Maybe there is some type of reward. There is some type of experience that we we have in relationship to our Heavenly Father where maybe as Jesus prayed, your kingdom come on earth. Maybe, Maybe I could experience some things on earth that I would experience in heaven actually in the here and now as I step into the chaos of the Beatitudes. So why do we rejoice? It says, rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward. Well, well why, why, do we, why, do we, uh, why are we glad and rejoice? And here's why. And, and you can write this down or snap a picture of it or whatever. And you can put this on your fridge because it's really encouraging. And you can look at it during the week and before you go get something to eat. And you can say, um, well, we, we rejoice because we are persecuted, meek, bankrupt, hungry, thirsty, merciful, peacemaking people who are insulted and accused. <laughs> Praise God right? Like, oh, that's why I rejoice. Now I remember, you know, I think I'll get some cake, maybe a whole half a cake. I don't know. I mean, it's like, it's like, this is, this is it. But what Jesus is trying to show us is, look, if you're going to change your world, it's probably going to happen differently than you think. It probably won't happen by getting the right people in office or having your particular party win or getting that bo- the boss finally dies of the heart attack like you've been praying all this time and, and, and you, know, you, you know, all these things happen. You win the lottery or whatever. It's probably, as I read the Beatitudes, I could be reading them wrong, but it's probably not going to happen that way. But here's what Jesus is saying, and we're going to see this in just a little bit. It can happen. Because, quite honestly, I don't think your boss is going to die of a heart attack tomorrow. Uh, And if he does, don't go telling me I had anything to do with it, because I didn't. I don't think you're going to win the lottery, and I don't think that annoying person is going to stop being annoying. So something else is going to have to change. And what Jesus does... Because if you have those, if you have the chaos of the Beatitudes and you understand, you know, that, that things are going to happen differently, Jesus kind of steps into, so, there's like a therefore, like, like the, how am I going to express that? Like, how do I express being poor in spirit? And I, you know, and Jesus begins to refine this and he does it in a really interesting way. He looks out over these people. Now, just to understand who these people were, um, they were being controlled by Rome. They had no power. They had no influence. They had no hope. And they were most likely, most of them were poor. So they're in just kind of a, like a bad spot. Now, here's the thing. You can look at the Beatitudes and, and have a sense that this is kind of depressing, <laughs> right? Well, you look at it and you go, man, poor in spirit, mourn, meek, merciful, persecuted. I've got to be a peacemaker. Man, gotta, I'm going to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. I mean, God. It's like, man, it just sounds so heavy. And, and you could say, man, that just, this, this doesn't sound right unless you've been in a place of despair. And you realize, wow, I've been in a spot where I was mourning and God would meet me there. Unless you've been at a place where you've really realized the poorness of spirit and you realize, wow, God met me in that spot. You've been in a place where you've gotten news about your family or about a loved one or about someone. And you went, you went, I am, I am in the pit. And Jesus says, God will meet you there. And so, yes, on the one hand, it's like, I really want it to be cupcakes and puppies and, and just everybody's happy. On the other hand, when I hit that spot of despair, I, I, don't, I don't want someone to look at me and go, oh, man, there's sin in your life. Jesus said, no, 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 you're, you're going to be there, and I'm there for you. So we, how does this flesh itself out? So uh, we're going to take a look at this because Jesus looks out over these poor, powerless uh, people with no hope, and he says, you're the salt of the earth. You guys, the whole lot of (laughs) you, this ragtag bunch, you are the salt of the earth. Here's what I'd like you to do, and some of you might feel uncomfortable to do this, but I just want you to say, I am the salt of the earth. Ready? Here we go. I am the salt of the earth. One more time. I am the salt of the earth. This is Jesus's reality for you. This is His identity for you. Now, now you might think to yourself, um, "Have you? Seen, I don't know if you saw what I did last week." Like, this is His identity. Now, I want you to understand what this meant to them, okay? Because, like, the, we have salt shakers and stuff, you know. That in our house, we have this salt shaker that I think we got from Trader Joe's that has pink salt in it. And, and it's like these, and then you grind it. And like, I don't even know what that is. But anyway, I, I'd like to be the pink salt if I'm going to be salt. But, but, but they, that isn't what they were talking about. Salt was used as a preservative. And so, so meat would normally decay because there was no refrigeration. And so they put salt on it to preserve the meat. Here's, here's the way Jesus would say it now. You are the preservative of the earth. You are there to prevent decay. Now, I don't know how to change the world, but I know that we're called to change our world. And so your office, when you go to the office this week, you are there to prevent decay. When you go into your neighborhood, you are there to prevent decay. If you're around your friends, schools now, you know, ended. And so maybe for some of the kids, they're, they're you know, you're not necessarily in school. But when you go back, you will be the preservative of that school. Uh, now, now here's the thing that's so exciting, because if you're like me, you'd think, um, actually, uh, I'm, I, I go to work, I work at a warehouse, and I sweep, the. I have no status, I got nothing, I just go in, they, people make fun of me, they call me names, I just sweep, and I put stuff in a trash can, and here's the great news, Jesus says, perfect, <laughs> perfect, you're the preservative there. So he goes on and he says, he kind of has this idea that you, you're there to preserve. You're there to preserve in your neighborhood. You're, you're the preservative of your family. Even the ones that are weird that you only have to see on two uh, vacations or, or two uh, holidays and you wish you just would never see them again. You're the preservative of that family gathering if you're a follower of Jesus. Now, if you're not and you're just like here... That's great. We, we have a saying here that you can belong before you believe. And, if so you, and so you get to be let off the hook. You don't have to be. No, I'm just kidding. But, but, but for us, for those people who say, look, I, I want to step into this. He's already given you the identity. You're the salt of the earth. He goes on. He says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for uh, anything except to be thrown out and trampled uh, underfoot. And so your job as a preserver to stop decay, to stop disorder, um, is really, really important. Now, here's the thing about salt, and I want you to understand, and it goes along with the Beatitudes. For salt to work, it has to come in contact with the thing that would decay. Salt doesn't do any good on the shelf. I mean, it's a good place to store it, but it's not useful. Salt wasn't designed to go, you know what, you know, I, I'm, I didn't, I don't know if you knew this, but I'm the salt to the earth, and uh, in the last five years, I've become really salty. Uh, I just look fantastic, and I, I'm, I'm in the shelf, and I'm just, if you, you, oh good, let's, let's get you out there and be in you, no, 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 no not just yet, I still got some more saltiness to kind of work on, that's not at all what Jesus Means salt has to come in contact with the very thing it's going to decay. Now, if you're in an environment and your job is to preserve, there's probably a good chance that there's going to be situations where you don't want to be the preserver. You want, you want to engage. Maybe it's an unfair situation that you're in at work, and, and you want to stand up, and you want to get your thing, and you've got a career and all this kind of stuff. He says, no. You're going to be in that context, the context of the chaos of the Beatitudes, and you're going to be merciful at that point. You're going to be a peacemaker. So then, if that's not enough, he goes on and he says, you're the light of the world. <laughs> now, for those people, their whole life, they would probably not travel 20 miles from wherever they were born. It's just that you, you were born there, you died there, you wouldn't venture out. So to be the light of the whole entire world... How is that? And yet, from this Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached, look where we are now. Jesus is the light of the world. The message carried on. How did that happen? Because they did, they believed what Jesus said. They did what what he told them to do. This early church was persecuted. This early church was peacemakers. This early church rallied together. This early church of of understanding who Jesus was as their rabbi and as their savior actually started to do it. They changed the world. And Jesus would be here and he'd look you right in the eye and he'd say, you can change yours. You can change your world. You can change your world. Even in your poverty, even with your weaknesses and all that kind of stuff. So he says, you're the light of the world. Now he goes on and he gives some really interesting things here. He says, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Uh, this word built uh, isn't just constructed. Uh, if you have another version of the Bible, it might say a, a, um, a, a city, um, uh, a, a town set on a hill. There's intentionality to it. And so, so the fact of the matter is, whether you th- like this or not, you are strategically placed to be a light in the darkness. you say john we've I put out seventeen resumes to get out of that place <laughs> like How could I be strategically placed? I would like to be strategically placed in the corner office down the street, you know, and with my career on the move. I would like to be strategically placed in a different neighborhood. We were trying to get out of that neighborhood, but Jesus would look at you and say, you are the light of the world. You are set in that place to be a light. And unfortunately, you can't be hidden. You can't just turn it off. You can't just go away. You're, You're kind of stuck. Your job is to be a light. You might say, man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a freshman at school. I don't even know where my locker is. And last time I found it, they stuffed me in it. And, they, and, they, and, and, that, and I came out two days later. Like, like, like you just feel like there's no way, there is no way that I'm a light in my particular situation. And the Lord would look at you and say, you are strategically placed there to be a light. And how you handle that chaos, how you handle that, that stuff, how you go through it is going to be a light in the darkness, how you handle it. Uh, the, the different, um, uh, chaos at work and at at home and all this kind of stuff will be salt. will be a preservative there. You're strategically placed where you are right now. So he goes on, he says this, uh, um, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Um, Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, how do we do this? How, how do we be a light and how, do we, uh, how are we to produce ourselves as salt, as a preservative? Well, Jesus adds one last thing that I think is the key to all of it. And this is how the Beatitudes are manifested. This is how our relationship with God is manifested. Here's what he says. He says, in the same way, Let your light shine before others that they may see your Bible knowledge and think, wow, he knows his stuff. Okay, no, 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 that's wrong. That's wrong. No, no, it was something else. Let me see. Okay, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your Hebrew letters tattoo and think, man, they are serious. Okay. Okay. Honestly, if any of you have hebrew letters you. that was not a shot. Um, don't stab me. Okay. Uh, no, no, so it's not that one. Um, and just make sure it's the right Hebrew. They'll see your disgust of the world and rethink all their point, points of view on sin. It's, it's way easier than those things. Way easier. Especially the tattoo part because I don't like pain and that scares me. Like, like what he 's going to say, we can accomplish, like when you look at this and you go back to you are the light of the world, that sounds like man i don 't know there 's no way i 'm not smart enough i 'm not spiritual enough i don 't you know i'm not i just I just started my my walk with god i don 't know anything I barely have any of my questions answered, and you 're telling me i 'm the light of the world or i 'm the salt of the i 'm the preserver of this business or this uh, situation I'm in, like that just sounds so massive until you see what Jesus says, this is how you're going to do it. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. That, That actually, you can be in a situation at work, at school, in your neighborhood, in your home, however, and you can actually be a light just by doing stuff now doing stuff can be hard sometimes one of your good deeds that you might as you go into this week because I'm going to ask you to ask God to show you some of these good deeds one of your good deeds might be to be quiet right you didn't think of that one did you (laughs) yeah Like, you might find yourself in a situation, you're like, man, this thing is decaying rapidly. This is like, uh, this is going, it's decomposing. I get starting to smell. I can, you know, it's stinky. It's like, I'm going to be salt. Right? It's like you have a one-liner. You got a zinger. You could be right. You could just be like, oh, you guys, you're missing it. This is an alley-oop. This is a softball. I, could, I have the one-liner that will just destroy. The, like, I got it. I got it. And the Lord's like, salt. And you're like, ah. just go into the parking lot. Ah, go, like, you know, you used to do as a kid in your pillow. Just yell it into your pillow. That might be your good deed right? Your good deed might be to give a word of encouragement to somebody this week. The person that seems to always need a word of encouragement. And you're like, why are you always talking about yourself and how great you are and all this kind of stuff? And all of a sudden God might say, you know what? I'd like you to, i like you to go up and just tell a man, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't know what your deed's going to be. I have no clue. But aren't you glad that I don't know? Because if we, if we listed them, right, then we'd all be going like, oh, I couldn't do that. I could do that. I don't know. I don't know about that. God doesn't say that. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. And watch this. And glorify your Father in heaven. There's something that happens in the kingdom when you are manifesting these, the, the chaos of the Beatitudes, and, and, and all of a sudden God says, this is what I want you to do, and you do it, and they just look right past you and go, wow. In other words, maybe, maybe Jesus is saying it this way. Live your life in such a way that even though people don't believe in your God or believe the way you do, or they don't even want to become a Christian, they go, man, there's something there. And they begin to go, you know what? I, I wonder if this God thing is true. Because the way God is working through you. Now, every one of us can do this. You don't need a degree. You don't need to be rich. You don't need to be attractive. You don't need to be anything but obedient. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify Your Father in heaven. So we talked about the two jobs that we had decades ago and all all, all that. uh, And it rhymes, so I'm going to make this one rhyme. Jesus gives us two jobs, and I've been touching on them all this time. The first job is to prevent decay. To see something taking shape and you go, man, this is not going, I'm not going to add to the decomposition of what's going on right here or, or to the decay. So we prevent the cats. Well, one of our first jobs, our second one is to point the way. We don't point the way through argument, uh, although there'll be a time to, to make a case, okay? We don't point the way by pointing our finger, okay? Although there might be a time to say, look, I, you know, the way you're living right now is, is going to hurt you, and so I'm sorry I have to tell you, but that's kind of the thing. No, that w- when we point the way, we just point them to our Heavenly Father, exactly the way Jesus did it, okay? Jesus said, I'm, I'm here for one thing, to show you the heavenly, to show you my Father, to point to my Father, to glorify my Father. I don't do anything he, uh, unless he tells me to do it, and I don't say anything unless he tells me to say it. That's what I do. That's Jesus' model, to prevent decay and to point the way. And so this week, as you go into this week, you're going to come up and face situations, and you're going to in the back of your mind you're going to get this stupid rhyme you're going to be like give in the king point the way this is lame okay i don't know i mean whatever whatever so so you're, that's what you know that's just kind of the way the way it works and so but here's a vision i just want to give you for your, your week this week as you come up to these things we already talked about the fact that you're a city set on a hill you're strategically placed to 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 bring light to where you exactly where you're at watch what Ephesians says. Now, Ephesians, prior to this verse I'm going to show you to set it up, Paul basically levels the playing field. And he basically says, we were all useless, (laughs) okay? We were all sinners. We were all, you know, we, we we were just a wreck, okay? That's kind of how he starts it off. And then he begins to build this thing about, like, how what Jesus did on the cross and how God began to bring restoration and, and transform us into something new. And, and he uses this language where he's like, it's by grace you've been saved, like not through works. You weren't saved through works. You, didn't, you weren't saved because you did enough stuff. You, 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 were, you, were, you were saved uh, by grace through faith. You just said, okay, I, that's that kind of poor in spirit language. You know, it's all through there. and you Okay, you know, I need God. I, I need God to do something in my life. And so he talks about how Jesus did that. Okay, so that's what he gets to. Now, remember what I said. He made a very specific point that you are not saved by working, by by being good. That's not how you are saved. And then, out of nowhere, he kind of left hooks you with this verse. He says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. (laughs) Like, we're not saved through works, we're saved for works. That, that there's something about going back to why you were created. Remember, we talked about this two weeks ago. We were created for stewardship. We were created to bring shalom. We were created to care for, the, for our environment. That that's what we were created for. And, Jesus, and Paul is basically saying, look, now that there's been this restoration in your soul, you can go out and change your work, your world. And watch what he says. This is so awesome. Creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So that means when you go into work, in your inbox, God has placed something there. And you get in there, and the decay starts happening, and you pull it out, and it says, don't say a word. And you're like, ugh. He already knew. Isn't that kind of exciting? That you go into this into this into your work week and into your being with friends this week, and if you're out of school, maybe you got parties to go to and all that kind of stuff. That hidden in there somewhere is a good work that God had prepared in advance for you to do, and by doing so, you will bring the very kingdom of God to that environment. You will be a preserver, and you will be a pointer. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to um, take some time to kind of flesh this out a little bit between us and God. We do this every week where we just take some time to process. And maybe God has already told you, even as I was talking, and we, we've talked about this before, where while I'm talking, God was like, hey, you know what it is you're supposed to. And you're like, shh, I'm trying to listen to the sermon. You know, you're like, like, you know what it is. And so at this time, uh, as you go before God, maybe your prayer is something like, God, just give me the strength to follow through, you know? And, 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 and just to give you a little hint, most of the time, it's going to come at a really bad time, okay? It's like, you know, it's like God's going, look, I really want you to be merciful you're right, you know, right now. And you're like, you know, now's just not a good time for me to be merciful, Okay. You know, I want you to be a peacemaker. Uh, how about tomorrow, today, I'm going to light this dude up, okay? And then I'll, I'll, tomorrow, peace, erase, erase, we're all gone. But, you know, uh, it's going to come. The reason it's mourning and peacemaking and merciful and good deeds is because it usually comes at a time when you don't want to do it, okay? So, so maybe you already know what it is. Maybe for you, you're just like, you know what? I don't know what it is, thank goodness, okay? But God, show me this week. Speak to me. Talk to me. Open my eyes. And you can go into work tomorrow or you can, uh, if you're staying at home, you go into your your home chores or whatever, you know, however it works. You go into that day, you go into your day going, I wonder what it's going to be. That's exciting to me.